Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Wanted to hop on real quick before we get into today's episode and let everyone know that the next seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge registration link is live. You can go to the show notes. Click the link for more details, or you can go to www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. Wanted to speak directly to you if you've been listening to the podcast, maybe you're new and just getting started, or maybe um, you've been fasting for a while and really trying to adopt that lifestyle and the scale just won't move beyond that two to four, three to five pounds each week, or maybe you feel like you've hit that dreaded weight loss plateau or maybe the hunger, or as my wife likes to say, the hangriness has snuck up and bit you on the backside and you just can't seem to get away from those cravings, or the consistency of your fasting schedule just isn't allowing you to get back on track if you've fallen by the wayside. This seven-day lifestyle challenge is exactly for you. It's coming up in the near future. Please don't miss out on this opportunity. We are super excited to be leveling up this experience and leaving that diet baggage behind, giving you the confidence and the habits to build that long-term weight loss and fasting lifestyle success. Go to the show notes, you can click the link, or www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. We will hope to see you on the inside. And now to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I am here as always with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott, how are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. We're going to get into a fun episode today. We're going to break down the barriers of fat and what types of fat there are and how mm. and why they're important and why fasting can be an incredible tool to get some pretty amazing results. We're also in challenge prep mode. We're just onboarding a whole new group of people into the the lifestyle of fasting for life and what it is that we truly do. So yeah. I am excited. I am pumped up. I am ready to dive into visceral fat or VAT. Um, there's going to be a lot of fun wordplay today, I have a feeling. Um, and we're going to get a little bit nerdy. So I hope, hopefully we both have our uh, big brain shoes on today so we can <laughs> land the plane here and give you guys some actionable things that you can take away today that you can put into your day-to-day -day life that can get you the results and adopt the fasting lifestyle that we have found to be so transformational for us, as well as so many of our other listeners. So Tommy, I think that's all we got to do today, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Just a, just a really short order and uh, no, no big deal at all. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think this is going to be cool to get into here because this is something that, that I, 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 I knew existed. I knew it was important, but I didn't 
Um, I didn't know how to put all the pieces together. I didn't know why when I kept hearing, oh, well, you could you could have visceral fat. You could have fat around your vital organs, and that could be a problem. But I didn't know what that meant for me personally or if it was important or should I have to worry about it now or should that be something that I think about later on? How do I fix it even if it is an issue? All of these things kind of felt like, man, I... I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. So hopefully we answer some of those questions here and and put some of the pieces together so we can get the process started here and actually make some long-term wins. Yeah. And this was this came again. If you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to the first few episodes where you'll hear why we started it, who Tommy and I are, what we've done, what we've accomplished with fasting, and how it's given us our lives back to be better dads, mm-hmm. better husbands and literally correct years of frustration in us trying to regain our health by getting the weight off and ultimately keeping it off. So a lot of this stuff has come from self-discovery. And we always want to speak from a framework of experience. We go find some research articles. We're going to unpack it. But what I found with that frustration and that journey and what we hear from so many people is, you know, I've tried so many times and I just can't get the results to stick, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one to five percent of people will keep the weight off and maintain that weight for for a uh, substantial amount of time, meaning from from months to years. And yeah. it's just a struggle. And, you know, that's where the the motivation to kind of unpack this stuff comes from from us is so we can give you stuff that can help you in your day to day, simplify the process. And like you said, get those results. So, you know, I went back to the original problem and pulled out my old uh, DEXA scans. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about what that is and why it's important. But there's so many different metrics out there that you can look at. Okay, well, body fat percentage. Great. That's a good metric, right? Looking mm-hmm. at lean muscle tissue versus the fat tissue you have on your body and how that relates to health. BMI is the most commonly used diagnostic tool for characterizing healthy weight versus overweight versus obesity versus you know severe obesity. And BMI doesn't do a great job of breaking down those differences in body fat. So you can get out there into the Dr. Google world, into the information hot superhighway and get lost. And most people will get frustrated to a certain point and then put in a lifestyle overhaul with Mm -hmm. a eat less, move more type strategy. And what happens is then you get stuck in this cycle of, you know, that restriction, omission, and then you fall off the wagon and the binging mm-hmm. comes back and the old lifestyle habits come back. And then you go back to the old dieting lifestyle and you get this yo-yo kind of thing that takes place and you don't really end up in any better of a place. And you're yeah. more frustrated and more annoyed. And that's why fasting can be so powerful because it can simplify that process and also help balance out some of those sticking points. And that's why we focus so much on doing our challenges eight times a year and have the support pieces in place to be able to get you out of that cycle and into a vehicle that allows you to break through those pain points, get results, but also have an understanding that the framework that you're operating in now, looking at those metrics like the scale and the BMI and blood Mm -hmm. panels and that type of stuff, isn't the vehicle that's going to get you to the end result. And we want to kind of unpack another metric that we can look at, like when we talk about insulin resistance, um, like what is your fasting insulin number? What Mm -hmm. is your inflammation markers? Like what is your CRP number, right? Because we did an episode on that talking about how that blocks leptin. Well, 
what is your visceral fat content, right? What is visceral fat? Why is it important? Why is it more important in our opinion than a BMI calculation? Sure. And then ultimately, you know, how can fasting, uh, you know, uh, speed that process up or reassure you that you're doing something right and how do we test it? How do we look at it? And ultimately, how do we use that as a tool to make sure that we're getting the results that we want? So I know there was a lot there, but that's what we're going to unpack yeah. today. Mm-hmm. And starting with what is visceral fat compared to subcutaneous fat, et cetera. Wow. Let me address one point, which was that whole sticking point problem. Yes. I, I, I can't tell you how many sticking points I had during my weight loss journey, my multi-decade decade weight loss journey. And you know, at those sticking points, you get to a point where you go, okay, well, it's not working. I've restricted calories to, let's say it's 2000 or it's 1500 calories, and now it's, it's not working. So let me just restrict it a little more because I don't know what other lever to pull here. And when, when you do that, you end up, you know, going further down the wrong path. It wasn't working before, and it's still probably not going to be working then. Or if it does spark some new results, it's probably not going to last very long. And and that's a really frustrating way to to operate. Let alone the fact that that the why behind your the actual results that you're looking for is going to have to be really strong to continue to carry you on that process. So when we start to understand what visceral fat is, the fact that you know we actually have fat cells that are around our vital organs. And why does that matter? Are they the same kind of fat cells as what's, you know, in the the flab in the back of my arm, right? Or or around my hips or my or my lower midsection or around my legs, like in, in any of your trouble areas, but they're actually different. Those visceral fat cells are actually different from the rest of the body fat or the subcutaneous fat. And that's part of the issue there that's that's not talked about very often because the visceral fat cells are actually hormonally active. They're actually signaling to the rest of your body, to your other fat cells, to your brain and the rest of your body, what's going on. They're they're giving um, updates, hormonal updates to the rest of your body as far as how much fat you actually have stored. But the problem there is that the more visceral fat we have, the worse those signals get, the more unclear they get. And that's that's part of the the cascade of problems that we have here. And we're going to mention that with a, a panel when we look at changes in the heart, like mm-hmm. in the heart function related to um, that cascade that you just referenced. So that was a really good place to start, which is the difference between visceral versus fat versus sat, right? So mm-hmm. body fat percentage looks at the total body fat that you have on your on your body, right? Well, there are some different, like you said, types. So visceral, deep, intra-abdominal, so in between the, the organs, it's not the stuff that is beneath the skin, which is the subcutaneous, right? So right. the area that we want to focus is around that midsection. And, you know, the gel-like fat or that visceral fat is around those organs like the liver, the pancreas, the kidneys, et cetera. And that's why I love that study about the heart, which we'll talk about at the end, because the heart is not in that area. That's not in that centrally located mm-hmm. area. So the two areas we're looking at are the android region of the abdomen versus the gynoid region. The gynoid region is those trouble areas you mentioned, Tommy, that's around the hips and the thighs. Sure. And that's more of like the pear-shaped fat Mm -hmm. versus the android region, which is that deep area of the abdomen around those organs, which is where that vat or the visceral adipose tissue tends to reside. So 
if I go back to my original scans, you know, I'm looking at a fat mass of around 60, a lean mass of around um, a 150, and then my Android fat, which is that fat that, so the total fat around my midsection was about 17 pounds, but the mm -hmm. Android fat, that visceral fat in that little area around those organs was when I began seven pounds. Okay. Mm. We're going to give you some reference ranges here that I didn't know until we prepped for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and right. it smacked me in the face. Now, luckily, my follow up, my most recent scan was uh, in the high threes. So mm. I've cut that number in half. But, nice. but, but the reference ranges show that I need to cut that number by 80% again. Mm. And that's why we talk about this, the, the vicious cycle of, you know, I lost all the weight quickly, right? Yeah. And then I've just kind of been hanging out air quotes in maintenance, even sure. though, so somebody in, a, in our previous challenge asked, hey, what's your, are, are you at maintenance? Like, what's your goal? And I was like, well, no, I'm not at maintenance, but I'm looking specifically at the body fat percentage in relationship to the visceral fat number. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're going to unpack the problems with visceral fat here in just a minute, um, because that's the number that really matters to me. If my value is I want to change the generational health of my family, yeah. I need to not become my grandparents and my dad who struggle with diabetes, who's no longer diabetic, thank God, because he jumped into one of the challenges and got incredible mm -hmm. results. He's yep. off 15, 17 medications, left 70 pounds, like wow. completely enjoying his retirement. So I didn't want to end up there. So it's like, okay, well, well, what, 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 how do we hone in on, on targets that matter? And that's where the visceral fat comes in. I know you mentioned there was a realization for you too about the whole DEXA scan kind of piece of this of like, how do we know what this number is? Like, well, you need to, your, your average blood panel or body fat bod pod isn't, you know, might give it to you, but the best out there is that DEXA scan. Yeah. The crazy part for me was that I didn't know that visceral fat was more highly correlated with all the main markers that are so important to all of, of what we're talking about here versus just body fat percent or BMI. Like, like if, if you're familiar with BMI, then you, you've probably had the thought, well, yeah, but maybe that doesn't really apply to me because it doesn't really apply to everybody. It doesn't get at muscle mass and, and things like that. There's plenty of outliers for, for the BMI, even though we know BMI is correlated with long-term health outcomes, right? But it can be really easy to go, well, yeah, but maybe it doesn't quite apply to me in this, in this situation. So it can almost be demotivating in, in that regard. But when we start looking at visceral fat and we go, Wow, the the correlation is so much stronger versus just quote unquote body fat to blood glucose and fasting insulin levels and weight loss success, blood pressure, triglycerides, LDL, CRP, even even certain cancers that that are much more highly correlated <clears throat> with visceral fat versus body fat. And then and then we say, okay, well, we can actually get to these numbers. Like we were we were prepping for this and I said, you know what? Like I need a DEXA scan. I need to do this. I need to understand what's going on around my vital organs. See if like you said, even after losing a lot of weight, do I still have more work to do here and and how do I actually track those numbers over time? Yeah, what I just heard there was why is why is visceral fat important? And then we'll then we'll unpack how we're going to get rid of it, right? So for you, you're yeah. just like, well, now I need to know my number. Yeah. For me, it was motivation like, oh crap, now that I look at that, and you just kind of, you know, rat a tat tatted them, right? So 
Why is it important? Because it's significantly associated with insulin resistance, which leads to diabetes, right? We're going to unpack. It, it leads to lower adiponectin, which is a hormonally active signal, a, a signal that comes out of mm -hmm. your hormonally active visceral adipose fat cells. Yeah. And then it leads to an imbalanced cholesterol profile. It leads to, you know, metabolic syndrome, which is the conditions of abdominal obesity, go figure, high blood pressure, high mm -hmm. blood sugar, high serum triglycerides. So we're looking at all of these things that lead to cardiovascular and major health related problems. Just, I shouldn't say just, but looking at the amount of fat that we have in that Android region or that centrally located region down mm -hmm. by those, those organs. So when we're looking at this, there's correlation and causation between carrying this extra weight around us. And that's why we always go back to the, well, if I, if I go through this cycle of losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, and you've been doing mm -hmm. that for years, getting off that crazy roller coaster is of the utmost importance now more than ever. Right? So if you've been doing that over and over and over again, it's time to break through giving back those five to eight pounds that maybe you've been losing and gaining with fasting. Yeah. Right. Wow. You're still in the cycle. You might not be in the eat less, move more, you know, uh, mindset anymore. You've adopted fasting as your lifestyle, but one or two times a week, personally, again, this comes from personal, personal experience and then connecting the dots is I noticed that with our date nights and then one other night a week, I was having an IPA or two. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that I was in that same situation where it was like, yeah, I wanted to work on my visceral fat and get down to that lower body fat percentage, right? Yeah. When somebody asked me, well, what have you been doing? I'm like, well, I've just kind of been hanging out at maintenance, doing my one meal a day, right? Taking part mm -hmm. in some of the, the weekly schedules that we do and you know, um, really setting my week each week, but not really having that motivation to push forward. I, what yeah. I noticed was that those couple of instances where I was having just a few, like two, maybe three, that mm -hmm. was kicking me out of fat burning for up to you know 36 to 48 hours. So I was literally just going up two, down four, up four, down two, and I was mm. living the the cyclical hell, <laughs> like of like I'm not making progress. So yeah, so that's why we. You know this this visceral adipose tissue for us is is, is and you just ad admitted it as well is 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 that next level of leveling up your your tool set your skill set on on honing in of of why making sure that we're progressing through a fat loss phase with fasting is just as or more important in my opinion because there's additional benefits we're going to talk about with fasting yeah um which leads into the conversation of why is adiponectin a part of that equation right so adiponectin is is an important piece to this and adiponectin is a positive thing we want more adiponectin circling through our bloodstream the problem is when you have this centrally located fat it actually lowers those numbers yeah so in in, in much like um, other processes that happen in the body when we start to overproduce a signal the body figures out ways to kind of suppress that signal so that it's not just completely overwhelmed by something that the volume just keeps raising and raising and raising. So it figures out ways to lower the volume. So what happens here is actually as we accumulate more visceral fat, we actually are suppressing 
the production of that adiponectin. And it's, it's, it's only coming from the actual adipocytes, the fat cells, and mostly from the visceral fat cells. And so that's a problem because we know that higher adiponectin levels are associated with better blood sugar control, better fasting insulin, lower blood pressure, and in a balanced, you know, um, lipid panel. Um, on, on blood work. And so the problem here is that as we get more and more fat cells accumulating, especially the visceral ones, then those signals get completely out of whack. And that starts to, again, get at the, the question of, well, why does it feel like it's just getting harder and harder to lose the weight? I used to be able to lose those few pounds relatively easily. They would kind of just melt off. And now it's just getting harder and harder and harder as the, the scale just kind of creeps up year after year after year. It is getting harder because hormonally, it's it's a different environment. It's it's a much bigger struggle now for the body to drop those pounds. Yeah, because maybe you're a little bit smaller, but and maybe your, your, your metabolic rate has changed, but now you've got another level of resistance. Yeah. You've got a higher body fat percentage, higher visceral fat, increase, it messes with the beta cell function in the pancreas, the low adiponectin leads to insulin resistance, all signs point to poor blood glucose control. You mm -hmm. can't tap into the fat long-term fat stores because let's say you're grazing during your window or you can't close your window or you yeah. haven't fully adopted the fasting lifestyle yet into an intermittent window, which we'll talk about with Ramadan study here about adiponectin and the benefits. Mm -hmm. I know there's been a lot of doom and gloom so far in this episode. Don't worry, we're coming with the positivity here in just no, a yeah. second, right? There's we're lots gonna of connect here. the dots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So this was just like a lot to unpack where we started to un like just every layer was another level of like, uh-oh, like let's make sure we can can kind of put a plan together on how we're going mm -hmm. to un really be able to target this and 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 know that we're doing it right for us. So we get all of these things point to those metabolic disorders, right? Which is the opposite of what we want. We all know that losing weight's important. Ask any doctor, right? But then yeah. look at the system that we have. It's not working here in the States. 72% mm -hmm. of the population, 75%, depending on the studies back from 2018, 19, show that the population is overweight. And then we're moving towards a category uh, upwards of 30 plus going towards 40 plus percent of the population that's obese, wow. right? So yeah. what are the normal ranges, right, Tommy? So we talk about insulin, fasting insulin levels. So fasting insulin levels, we have a, an assessment on the website, the insulin assessment that talks about the waist circumference and then mm -hmm. the waist to height ratio, which is an indicator of metabolic disorders and heart related issues and, and metabolic, uh, metabolic syndrome. So that is there. You can go get that. You can take the subjective quiz. It can in, it can show you, you know, where are you at in terms of a score on having insulin resistance, right? I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. um, so then you go there with the insulin and then you go get your blood work done and your insulin comes back and let's say, you know, you're at 12, right? And I know you okay. have a, 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 a client that you were talking to, someone that you've been working with where, you know, they came back and there it was like at the very high range, but still within normal. It was like 24, yep. 22 or something, right? Right. Way up there. And we're like, whoa, okay, now we understand why. But the reference range was like 25, you know? Yeah, it was, it was like, like right, it was right six before to you 25, get the little asterisk. And he was at like 24.5, yes. right? Uh-huh. So some of you can go and then get your insulin number. So what is a healthy visceral adipose tissue number? number? And, and I've only seen one person that's had zero and it was my wife when she was at the <laughs> leanest body fat percentage that she's ever been. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, yeah, of course Crazy. she's an overachiever, right? Right. <laughs> Love you, honey. Um, what also, 
it's impressive too. Like there's also yeah. a level of like, wow. So when we're looking at these reference ranges, there's a couple of studies that really stood out to us. And the first study was out of the visceral fat mass has uh, stronger associations with diabetes and prediabetes than other anthropometric obesity indicators among Korean adults. So the, in this study, they looked at a couple of different populations and it was a, it was a big study. There were 1600 people in it. And the thing that struck me here was that 40% of the participate participants were classified as having prediabetes mm-hmm. and 10% were classified as being diabetic, right? But when we looked at the body mass index or the BMI, the men were at about 25 and the women were just below 24. So we're talking mm. about that healthy weight just on the cusp of being overweight, right? Yeah, right. The visceral fat mass was 1.2 kilograms and ranged from 0.4 to 0.9 in the women. So an average of about 0.5 or 0.6. So we're not talking about a high level, like we're talking anywhere from a pound up to maybe four pounds, three and a half pounds, four pounds in men as a high range that were already showing signs of having the higher, uh, excuse me, the lower adiponectin levels, right? Mm -hmm. That was leading to the poor blood sugar control, which was in this case, uh, 50% of the participants were either pre-diabetic or diabetic. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, great. I'm not at seven anymore, but uh uh-oh, time to get an update, right? Right. Where have I, where am I at? And then obviously you had, you had this similar realization. So yeah, um, I need to establish my own reference range. Like where, where am I? I don't, I don't know where I was two years ago, but I can certainly figure out where I am now and, um, and then actually redo it 90 days from now, you know, and, and, and see if the, the needle's moving and just understanding the fact that. You know, there's there's a couple of studies here that we found that started to establish this reference range in different patient or different populations rather. But, you know, it, it's not something I've ever heard cited before. Like, you know what? Your visceral fat should be X, Y, Z. I've heard, you know, hey, these are these are the markers for, you know, body composition body fat, for, right. for body, body fat. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, here's a picture of a bodybuilder. Here's a picture of someone who's overweight. Here's kind of a normal individual. You know, but but never hearing how many pounds or how many grams even of visceral fat is is healthy. And then when we start to be able to to see this and go, oh, well, this this is what's really correlated with those long term health outcomes that we're, we're looking to improve and gain control over. And then it was cool because it also uncovered that study about the heart and what that looked like as far as visceral fat actually accumulating around the heart and the fact that even before those clinical symptoms show up, we can start to correlate what's going on, how much visceral fat is around the heart. And that's actually showing the problem even before we get there, kind of like looking into a crystal ball a little bit. And that's the really cool thing about understanding your visceral fat. Yeah, I want to zoom out just because you just said a couple things there. Um, And for clarity, in that study, it was the visceral fat in the android region that was affecting the heart. And we'll unpack that in a second. Mm, But it's that it's that progression, right? So what is the reference range? And then where are we looking in that crystal ball of where we're going? And what like shocked me or stunned me in this was the fact that there was this other study, the visceral fat reference range, right? In the European men and women, um, this was in PLOS 1 uh, in 2017, age 20 to 30 years, 
And this was done through a DEXA scan. So this was values derived from healthy European men and women mm -hmm. and the average of the group. So uh, men typically have more visceral fat than women. And in this study, in this group, and this was another large study, and the visceral fat reference range, so is in grams, but about 450 grams is about one pound. Mm -hmm. So the average in this, the men were up over 500, so just over one pound of visceral mm -hmm. fat, and the yeah. women were just under one pound of visceral mm -hmm. fat. Okay. So again, a very small number in healthy individuals, right? So what is the reference range that we should be shooting for? Less is better. Yeah. We want less. And subcutaneous fat does have some correlations and can be linked to issues as well, but they're more of the inflammatory kind. They're mm. more related to like the CRP markers, inflammation. They're not directly related like the visceral adipose tissue is to the more serious conditions like the metabolic issues and metabolic syndrome. So that's why when we talk about body fat percentage, really focusing on decreasing the body fat percentage, but making sure that we're decreasing the VAT as well, which leads us to the really cool study of Ramadan fasting. Yeah. So this is where we were asking the question, okay, well, so what can we do about it? And can fasting help with this? If I know this is an issue or I think it might be, can fasting help? And so it's, it's really cool because um, a lot of the, the studies that have actually been done on fasting oftentimes involve Ramadan because it's kind of, um, it, it's, it's going to take place and, and, and people are able to observe what happens. So it's cool because controlled in most of the Ramadan, it's an easily yeah, controlled environment. Right. Like yeah, it's yeah. like there's a large population, Muslim population that's doing this. So it's like, all right, yeah. well, yeah, let's, there's a lot of studies out there. It's really, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Let's take some blood work and ask some questions, you know, right. during, during this, during this time. And so, um, what, what I like is that typically in most of the Ramadan studies, we don't see a very big actual weight loss, like a net weight loss. But so even, even when weight loss doesn't occur, we start to be able to uncover, okay, just consistently going into that like 13 to maybe 16 hour kind of fast range, we can start to see some really cool effects. And they often often happen to do with, um, with insulin or blood sugar control. But here, um, we started to see um, an increase in those adiponectin levels, even just over a few weeks of consistent 13 to 16, 17 hour fasting, which is really, really cool because in order to see those changes in adiponectin levels, normally those would be correlated with an, an actual change in the visceral fat. So even before the visceral fat had a chance to change, we had a, an improvement in adiponectin levels. There's two points here that I want to make. One is I didn't realize that depending on where you live in the world, your uh, fasting hours from Ramadan will differ because it's sun up to sun down, right? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> for the people living in Greenland, you got the short end of the stick um, <laughs> or here in the States even, because you're going to be more towards the intermittent fasting level, that 15, 16 hour. But there are places mm -hmm. like in Uruguay and Paraguay where it's 11 to 12 hours. So that's probably why we don't see the weight loss changes in these studies, because it's really not a, a, a caloric deficit driven fasting window, right? Sure. Or fasting yeah. range. But I love the fact that even in that situation, right, with the shorter windows, you know, there was a significant increase in the serum adiponectin, yeah. right? So like the body was, and so this is the interesting thing, and there was an increase in triglycerides. Mm. So what we don't wanna do in the low and slow method or the intermittent grazing 
I'm a I'm a I'm a fasting type. I'm a gratuitous grazer. Gratuitous grazer, yeah. <laughs> right? Or I'm the priority pivoter where I just yeah. kind of like make make up my pivots as I go to fit what I really want to do and I don't really have sure. any boundaries, right? Yeah. Right? Or the weekend warrior, right? Fasting type. But for specifically the cool thing with fasting and so we get that adiponectin level raising, which is what we want. But the increased triglyceride here for some of you, you might be like, well, isn't that a bad thing? But what that's showing is that we're actually tapping into some of the fat stores. Yeah. We're able to produce and break down those fat cells. So this is what we talk about with, you know, getting stuck in that cycle, Tommy, the crash dieting cycle, right? The yo-yo right. type thing yeah. is if you're in that model, you're constantly feeding and not able to be tapping into. You're always hungry. You're doing the few small meals. You're doing yeah. the the snacks in between, right? Even Fasting, if your calories are restricted, right? right? Like even if you are at a calorie deficit, right? So when we do that, we start to increasingly restrict. Like you were saying earlier in the conversation, we consistently restrict and we paint ourselves into a corner where we can only restrict further, but it's it's only furthering the cycle. So when we take a step back and we start to say, okay, well, in, in a 13 to 16 hour fasting range, we get an improvement in adiponectin here. So what happens if we keep going? What happens if we consistently apply this as a lifestyle? What happens if we break through that plateau, get the scale starting to move, and then we start to consistently tap into those long-term fat stores like you, like you alluded to with those increasing triglyceride levels, which means I'm actually tapping into my own long-term fat stores, which is a really cool thing. Now I start to see the momentum build. Now I start to see the scale start to move in the right direction. And I can continue to balance things out while I drop the visceral fat. And, and that's exactly the process that we get started in the challenge that we're, we're going into here. Yeah. And to just one more point on zooming out is that with that heart study that we had mentioned, the there were changes in the echocardiographic study. They were looking at these hearts of these obese patients and they were normotensive, so normal blood pressure, normal blood pressure patients. Mm -hmm. um, and they were looking at the abnormalities and they found that there was a direct correlation between the amount of visceral fat and seeing these changes on echo without any symptoms showing up in terms of blood pressure changes or heart function. Wow. So this is that crystal ball piece looking yeah. to the future. Well, okay, let's get the body fat percentage down. Let's get off the, like you just alluded to, the crazy crash dieting, yo-yo dieting, fasting, gratuitous grazing, gonna move my fasting window cycle. Mm -hmm. And let's hone in on some real targets and some real metrics. Let's get a DEXA scan done. Let's have a, a, a baseline and let's commit to doing a consistent fasting schedule for the next 90 days and go back and look at those changes. Now we're able to track some metrics, get off of this potential you know, path that we're on that you can see of blood sugar conditions developing over the decades and all of a sudden your blood sugar pops 20 years mm -hmm. down the road, but you've really had this problem years ago. So where do you start? Well, the takeaway today is it's time to level up your fasting game. And we've got the challenge coming up on April 13th. And you alluded to it already, Tommy, you already mentioned it. If you've been on this 
I've been losing the same five to eight, or maybe you've lost 20 or 30 and you can't get past that next plat that that the next plateau, right? I'm right, raising my yeah. hand here in an audio <laughs> medium that I've yeah. been chilling at maintenance and I have this knowledge and conviction of now I know, well, yeah, there's another level of importance here, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing changes on echocardiograms in normal tense of obese patients. Yeah, I may not be obese, <laughs> right, anymore. <laughs> uh, but, um, I still got some VAT, right? So let's not, right. let's, let's look in that crystal ball. So if any of that resonates with you, if you're like, wow, this is overwhelming, I, I want to assure you that we simplify this process during the seven day lifestyle fasting challenge. Yeah. And you're going to get everything you need. You're going to break through that plateau, get off the crazy cycle, the yo-yo cycle, the fasting fatigue, let's say you're having, mm -hmm. we're going to push you, we're going to encourage you. And I, I, I know because we look at the data from the last few challenges that the average weight loss is between that six and eight pound range. And we're mm -hmm. also going to teach you what you can do to continue to keep it off and continue to move the ball forward. So I'm pumped that this conversation and this topic came up now because it's a perfect time to jump in the boat with us and start rowing in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's there's something going on here and we can do something about it. So let's understand that this is not something that's widely talked about. It's because it's it's not quite at the level of understanding. Like this is new stuff. We haven't had access to DEXA scans for for more than like a, a couple of decades. Whoever knows, yeah. You right. know, right? And and so it, it's like th this is new stuff where we're getting insight into what's going on in the important regions of our body, not just the, hey, how does... How do, how do I look in the mirror and things like that and like like superficial stuff like this is getting very important. We can look in that crystal ball and then we can do something about it. So getting that momentum, I think, is is key. So starting that process and understanding how to make it stick and how to work long term, make this a lifestyle and something sustainable. And, and that's that's another part of what we get into during the challenge. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I can't wait to see the, the, the cool results are going to happen during the, that seven days, too. Yep. So April 13th is the next challenge. Yes, we know that there is an Easter holiday in there. That is okay. We've got a plan for you. We are not going to let the external environment or the external forces control our results because we are worth it. You are worth it. We're going to yep. support you through it. Uh, we set the challenge schedule for the entire year. And the only time that it, we re really look at holidays, it's like, okay, well, that's life, right? So how do we yeah, make fasting a lifestyle? Well, you got to figure out how to navigate life with fasting. Yep. And I'm just super pumped because we're leveling up the experience. Um, and I am just excited because it feels like just yesterday we finished the last one. Right. We've got an amazing <laughs> group of people that we've been working with yep. and seeing some amazing breakthroughs. So April 13th, you can go to the show notes or www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. If you've got questions, feel free to reach out. But we hope to see you on the inside, Tommy. And as always, thank you for the amazing conversation. Hopefully we connected some dots and moved the needle today. I know yeah. for us personally, we've definitely uh, recommitted to leveling up our game and our, our results. Uh, mm -hmm. And as I always like to say, you can't get what you don't have. So if we can have it and own it, then we can teach it and empower and encourage. So Absolutely. challenge April 13th, Tommy, thank you for the convo, sir. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. 
And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.